You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Notice here the contrast. Here, in regards to Nabal, he's bent on revenge. Hey, listen, let me say that this is not a high moment for David. He doesn't respond the way that the Lord would have him to respond to an insult or even an attack. God would have us bear insults with love and kindness, returning their evil with our good. We would be hard-pressed to find someone who wouldn't agree that David was well within his rights to defend himself from Saul and others. However, David actually exhibited the exact type of behavior that we should display, save for a few slip-ups here and there. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind you that no matter how justified you might feel, love is always the answer to evil. In his study, you'll learn the importance of turning the other cheek and offering kindness and forgiveness rather than wrath. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 as he continues his message, The Power of Influence. Now, because of the size of Nabal's flocks, we are told 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, their grazing area extended to where David and his men had assumed the protection of that uh, area. And thus, they watched out for Nabal's property as well. So at the time of the shearing of the sheep, David was looking for some rightful compensation and that was in his, uh, that was, by the way, in perfect keeping within that culture. Okay, let's pick up now in this chapter and let's read verses four through nine. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men. And I, I just want to make a note of that. David didn't go himself. You know, David's fame had preceded him now. Everyone throughout the land knew who David was. So he sent 10 men, uh, rather than him going to Nabal himself, to make his plea. Why? Because he didn't want to intimidate Nabal into giving him the compensation that was due him, that is, for his protection. So instead, according to our text, he sent, verse 5, he sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, so he's instructing them on what to say, go up to Carmel, Go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, 
peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Notice they were to greet him in full warmth and tenderness. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them. He's referring to uh, protecting them for a period of time. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while that they were in Carmel. So, I, you know, in, in, in essence, it's sort of like David is uh, providing an itemized receipt for Nabal. And uh, so that he'll understand that David should be compensated for what uh, he had uh, done. Verse 8, ask your young men and they will tell you. In other words, they, they will witness to this truth that I protected you. I watched over your flocks. I went out to fight against marauders who would have come in and, and taken your flocks from you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, the ten that David had sent. For we come on a feast day, that is during the shearing uh, period of time, and please give whatever. Notice he doesn't give any exact amount. Whatever you know, seems good in your sight. He didn't demand X amount of dollars you know, to be compensated. He says, just please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. And so when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and then they waited. Now, Nabal's reply was arrogant and uncouth. He refused to acknowledge any benefit that was given by David. Okay, so let's go on now, verses 10 and 11. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his masters. Basically what he's saying here is suggesting, who does David think he is? Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are uh, from? Wow. What a response. What a reply by Nabal. You know, I, I couldn't help but think, was Jesus thinking of Nabal when he taught the parable of the rich fool? That's recorded for us in the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 12. Who had no thought for God, who had no thought for eternity. Remember, he just thought, you know, I'm receiving the blessings, my food, storage, houses are full, I need to be, build bigger barns. You know, not giving any thought to God or or giving the glory uh, to God, or not giving any thought for eternity. And remember in that parable, uh, Jesus said, you know, whose things will those be when your life is taken uh, from you? And so in that parable, which is known as the rich uh, fool, I wonder if Jesus was thinking about Nabal when he spoke those uh, words. Well, getting back to Nabal and his response, listen, he knew who David was. Make no mistake about it. His fame, as I mentioned, had preceded him. And uh, people knew that he was going to be the successor of Saul and soon sit upon the throne. And uh, so he knew who David was. Make no mistake about that. Well, David's men had no option but to return empty-handed. And notice there in verse uh, 12, we are told, so David's young men turned 
on their heels and went back and they came and they told David all of these words. Now, what was David's response? Well, David is infuriated by his response. And he's thinking, I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. And so in verse 13, we read, Then David said to his men, Every man, gird on his sword. And so every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David. And 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, so it's within David's heart. He's going to kill Nabal and every member of his household. Now, there's something that I think is very uh, noteworthy here. I want you to notice the marked difference in David here. Again, sparing Saul's life, as I had mentioned in my opening remarks, which is recorded for us in chapter 24. Remember, he could have put an end to Saul uh, trying to chase him down to kill him, right? When he was in that vulnerable situation in the cave, relieving himself, he could have thrust his sword into Saul's back, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew that that was God's anointed. And then he was controlled by spiritual principles. But notice here the contrast. Here, in regards to Nabal, he's bent on revenge. Hey, listen, let me say that this is not a high moment for David. He doesn't respond the way that the Lord would have him to respond to an insult or even an attack. God would have us bear insults with love and kindness, returning their evil with our good. I mean, Jesus himself said, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. So what's up here? What's, what, what made the difference? Do you see the contrast, the way that he dealt with Saul, who's looking to take his life, and the way that he treated Nabal? What happened? What changed? Well, listen, probably, and again, we can only speculate, but probably the grief of the loss of his dear friend Samuel, compounded by David's depression, because Saul is still seeking him, looking to take his life from him, caused him to react in an uncharacteristic manner. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. And remember who we're talking about here. This is the man after God's own heart, who's offered up to us as an example of someone who really walked with God. But listen, we shouldn't be surprised by this. It can happen to the best of Christians when we're under stress. So don't be so fast to write people off when we don't understand what they're going through. You know, Christians have a habit of doing that, right? We don't know what's going on in another person's life. We don't know the trouble that they're facing. We don't know that the losses that they've suffered, right? And it seems like they are also... Uh, responding uncharacteristically you know, to the things that are going on in our lives, and we're so fast to write them off as not being Christians any longer, or not members of our church. Hey, don't be so fast to write them off, because unless you're standing in their shoes, you don't really know what's going on in their hearts. And so this sort of thing can happen to the best of Christians. Well, 
There are times when we don't understand, but listen, there's one who always understands. And who is that? It's God himself. And so David's feelings, and God understood what was going on, and God stepped in to keep him from committing a terrible sin. And what would have been that terrible sin? He would have killed not only Nabal, who, you know, you know, if you look at it just on the surface of this whole episode, maybe David, I, I mean, we'd never have the right to take someone else's life. But he, David was intent not only to kill Nabal, but every member of his household. This would have been a dark blemish upon David's testimony going forward, right? And so what did God do? He stepped in to prevent David from doing exactly that. And that's the God whom I know. You know, think about this. How many times has God stepped in in your life's experience to stop you from doing something that would have tarnished your testimony for Jesus Christ? I'll give you a couple of cross-references. In the 19th Psalm, in verse 13, this is what God does for his people. This is a prayer, if you would. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. In other words, responding in the wrong way. Then I shall be blameless. Listen, we want to be blameless before God. Our testimony be a blameless one. That I shall be innocent of great transgression. I want to give you another cross-reference. When you find yourself being tempted to do the wrong thing, maybe you're at the verge of falling into sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There we are told, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Take note of that. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with that temptation also make the way of escape that you may be able to uh, bear it. You know, many times, the only recourse we have is strapping up our Nikes and running out of that situation as fast as we possibly can. We need to get ourselves out of there. God is able to keep us from temptation, to keep us from falling into sin, from responding in the wrong way, in ways that would tarnish our testimony, leave a blemish on our uh, testimonies. Okay, so anyway... Just a word of caution. So there's no excuses for doing the wrong thing. God has uh, given us that provision. He's given us the resources so that we might not sin. Okay, so how did God prevent David from taking his revenge, not only on Nabal, but all of those innocent parties that were members of his household? Well, some servant who overheard Nabal's offensive refusal when he was addressing the ten men that David had sent, dreading the consequences, hurries to moan to inform Abigail, Nabal's wife, of what had just happened. Okay, let's pick up in our text now, verses 14 through 17. Now one of the young men told Abigail, and by the way, this is a life and death situation here, that he's bringing before Abigail, and that was, the, that was so true, saying, look, 
David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. When we were in the fields, they were a wall to us, that is a wall of protection, to, both, uh, to us by night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. So obviously the writing's on the wall here, what's going to actually uh, take place. Now, how does Abigail respond? Well, she quickly devises a plan. And that plan is recorded first in verses 18 through 31. So let's pick up there, and I'll comment on each one of those verses as we go through it. Then Abigail made haste, so notice she responds quickly, and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas, and a sea is a dry measurement. A sea, the equivalent of that would be nine quarts, so 45 quarts of roasted grain, 100 cloisters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. So there's this caravan moving towards David and his men. Her preceding, uh, not preceding it, but following behind. I am coming after you. But notice, she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was, as she rode on the donkey, that she went down under the cover of the hill. And there were David and his men coming down toward her. And she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain, I have protected all this fellow, as in the wilderness, all of his flocks, his sheep, his donkeys, and all, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David. If I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light, so that was his intent, to kill all the male. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey. She fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. So she's prostrating herself before uh, David. And so she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. So notice she's taking Nabal's guilt upon herself. Uh, and please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. So with great modesty and sincerity, she addresses David. What did she say? Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel. In other words, the idea here is that he's not worth your time, David. Nabal, for as his name is, remember, what was the the literal translation of the word Nabal is what? Fool. And so she's reminding him of that. He's a fool. For as his name is, so is he. He's a fool. Nabal is his name. And folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, 
did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. In other words, she wasn't present when the ten men came to address Nabal and seek compensation. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back. Notice again, God held David back. That is up until this time, right? He was still intent to kill Nabal and all of his household, but God is already working. God is already intervening from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, all of what had been described in the previous verses, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Notice, not given to David, but his young men. You know, he didn't want, she didn't want to offend David, like she was buying him off or something. You know, that could have been misconstrued. So notice she says, not a gift for you, David, but for your men. Verse 29. Yet you, a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, referring to Saul. The life, and this is, listen, let me tell you something. We're going to come back to this verse uh, 29 before we close out this message. This is so significant, so important. You might want to highlight this in your Bible. Notice what she says here. She says, verse 29, yes, the life of my Lord, referring to David, shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemy he shall sling out as far as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. You see, she knew, Abigail knew that he was going to be the next king. Everyone throughout the realm knew this to be true, that this will be no grief to you. In other words, to tarnish on his reputation, his testimony, nor offense of heart to my Lord either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. You know, this verse 31, this is perhaps the single best thing that Abigail had said to David. She wisely asked David to consider the outcome of his present course and how bad it would be if he had followed through. She asked him to let the Lord settle the matter instead of taking vengeance into his own hands. Again, the idea here is not to place a black mark on his testimony to ruin his testimony. You know, I would suggest that all of us do likewise. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Did you know that you could listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. 
You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to our continuing study of 1 Samuel next time here on In My Father's House. There's a place for